بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رساد الرسول اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد today i thought being the day of jumuah um we won't start a new lesson as such now uh, we'll keep it short it gives time for people who want to recite surah al-kahf uh, maybe take rest and because you need to take make preparations for jumuah also um and also i thought we'll do a recap because yesterday evening's lesson was a very deep one a very insightful one and we've not kind of completed it so i'm hoping to do that after asr inshallah where we kind of round up together um what we started yesterday after asr um because i think it's 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 a very important part for us to grasp if we're following through to actually understand that part where he speaks about the source where he started speaking about zina and he spoke about the source of it people try to quit and give up but it just doesn't and he's getting to the source so i think we were getting to the most important parts and obviously we ran out of time but what we will do now is we'll do a recap of what we done yesterday so at least by the evening time inshallah at least we're up to date and um, we get a good grasp because we did cover a lot of different things we've moved on from the harmful effects of sins and we've gone into very specific ones so we started speaking about the harmful effects of sins and then we went into speaking about shirk and shirk we spoke about in detail why shirk is so bad and then we went into the minor shirk and yesterday after fajr we had a lengthy session on explaining just that one topic um and then we concluded on how to stay away from it and that was quite interesting because he got right again his method is amazing he's getting to the source of it why does it happen why do people have riya and he said it's because talabul manzila fi qulubin nas you want a position in people's hearts well how does it happen it happens through five things okay and why do people do it through five things so he said it's either one of three things either you want praise okay or what's the second one why do people show off so either you want praise second one was fear of hmm mm, no that wasn't it it's what's the what's the correct wording fear of rejection is that the right word who can remind us there were three things the first one is praise the second one fear of blame fear of blame and the third one who remembers the third one it could be position it could be in desiring what other people have desiring 
what is by what the people have. So he said the solution for all three. Okay, the, he goes all types. This is the way he does it. Is look, if anyone ever shows off, it'll be for one of these three reasons. There'll be no fourth. That's what he's trying to say. He's really putting in things into categories and making us really get it in our heads. It's going to be either this, or this, or this. And now he's giving us a breakdown of book. If ever it comes in your mind to show off because you want praise. So now he's given us a solution. You can't be in every person's heart. It's impossible. You can't be in every person's heart. So even the person you're trying to be in their heart, it's not possible. That's out of your control. And even if somebody praises you tomorrow, they might criticize you, you know, the day after. So you can't control people. So number one is you can't be in everyone's heart. This is how we deal with this. And it's a lifelong struggle. And then the second thing he said, um, fear of blame. And the example we gave is sometimes we do things not because we want to, is because we don't want to look bad. So again, that's showing off. And we give the example of a stingy person. He's with a group of rich people or well-to-do people. And somebody comes and they say, right, sponsor an orphan is 150 pounds. Okay, so they all pull out their money. This guy doesn't ever give five pounds in Sadafah. But because he doesn't want to look bad in front of everybody, he says, oh, here, 150 pounds from me as well. It's probably the most difficult money he spent. But he's doing it not because he wants to, because he's got fear of blame. So sometimes we show off our good deeds because of fear of blame. Sometimes it's because of praise. We want people to say good things about you. Okay. And words are nothing. What is the praise? Praise are words, but it doesn't, it's, doesn't entail anything. It's not anything tangible. And number one and number two, there's no reward at all on the day of judgment. Nothing. Um, and the second one, we said fear of blame. Um, the solution to that is we have to tell ourselves you can't please everyone. It's impossible to please everybody. You can try. And so one is trying to get people's praise, but then you're going out of your way and doing something that you wouldn't normally do just to get people's kind of approval, validation for them to think good of you, not for them not to think, love you well, if that's how you are, that's how you are. You can't, you, you're going to please, how many of them are you going to please? Maybe they didn't even notice what you did. Like, they didn't even care about it. And that's what happens a lot of times. We think, we think everyone's looking at me, everyone's noticing me. In reality, everyone's just getting along with their lives. No one really cares. No one really notices these things. We create these things in our head as something really big. And, and th this can take a person down a very dangerous path as well. When, when you become too obsessive, and Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, after we speak about the looks and the glance, which we're on now, the next step is the thoughts. So he said, remember he said, protect four areas and you'll protect your whole religion. Your whole spirituality will be protected. If we don't protect four, then we'll destroy our whole spirituality. So the first one was the glances and the second is the thoughts. So on that particular topic, he goes into this as well. Um, and the third one was people show off because they want to gain and desire what other people have. And that could be anything from wealth. It could be a position. It could be an item, an object. It could be anything. So again, the way he treated that was we have to tell ourselves that Everything belongs to Allah. People don't control anything. People don't control anything. This is all in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyhow, so that was um, yesterday. And then last night, we introduced a new topic. And he went into zina. And prior to going to zina, 
he does speak about another major sin is qatl, murder, which I didn't go into detail. I just briefly mentioned it. Uh, but he does go into a lot of detail in regards to qatl. We kind of just skimmed and just spoke about it for a minute or two. So in regards to zina, we gave a bit of an introduction. And the introduction is important. This is why I'm repeating it, because this is something that's not generally discussed. And we've not discussed it before here as well. And we spoke about something called maqasid al-shari'a, the objectives of the sharia. And I did ask yesterday, who can tell me what are the five maqasid of sharia? We had a full masjid, but I don't think anybody was able to give uh, the answer, uh, which tells us that this is something which most people are not aware of. So we're quite in the kind of like beginners in this particular topic. And there's always a time to learn. So maqasid al-shari'a are basically those things which are there, which tell us that the whole of the sharia and the whole of Islam and the whole of this world Allah has created and put into place to preserve and protect five things. The whole objective of this whole sharia is the protection of five things. Number one, you guys know now because I've told you, well, those of you who were here, preservation of life, number one. This is the maqsad of sharia. Okay, number one, hifdun nafs, preservation of life. If you look at all of sharia, Okay, if you look at the whole Sharia, the Quran, the Sunnah, the Sahab, everything in one go, okay, we will learn that the whole Sharia, the objective of it, it comes down to five things. Number one, preservation of life. Number two, or remember we said there's two things here. Some say one, some say the other. Th that comes later on. Not before that. So honor or intellect. Okay, some say intellect, some say honor. So hifdul, uh, aql, okay, preservation of intellect or preservation of honor. Number three, okay, hifdul, arad or hifdul mal is pro uh, preservation of property and wealth. And another one, hifzuddin, preservation of religion. And the last one, Hifdul Nasal, Hifdul Al, the preservation of family and lineage. If we look at the whole of Islam, we learn that the maqasid of Sharia are five. These are the, this is, the whole Sharia is there to protect these five things. Now, this is a whole topic in itself, it's a whole world in itself. And then people go quite here and there in this as well and try to stretch out a lot of things because they kind of go too maqasidi approach so we're not going to go into that now uh, but what the reason we mention this is when we speak about murder it violates one of these which is preservation of life but ibn al-qayyim rahmatullah alayhi is telling us that when we come to the topic of zina it violates almost all of them it violates all of them and we spoke about as well we linked them up how it violates almost all of these things. So forget, he's saying forget just religion, Islam. Let's put that to one side. The, the, the whole idea of the well-being of this whole world and this whole universe, of its, how it runs and everything, it just violates everything. There's no goodness left. It violates absolutely, he's saying it, it destroys everything. Uh, it destroys families, it destroys lineage, it destroys wealth, it destroys property, it destroys people's honor. Religion obviously is there as well. And then we went through a whole study that was done. And in that what we mentioned was in the 1960s, 
1963 in particular, we had the sexual revolution that took place. Why? What happened at that time is in 1963, the FDA approved of birth control. And after the FDA approved of birth control, what happens? We see that that was the changing period. The idea was to protect women. The idea was to make things easier. The idea was to make birth control uh, accessible and cheaper to people. But instead what happened, 10 years later, they approved of the abortion law. They legalized it. It was a landmark movement, Supreme Court of USA. They said from now on, you know, this is something which is recognized, it's legalized, it's approved of, and people can go for it. So we find that before 1960, how many children in America were born out of wedlock? 5%. Okay. After the passing of this, what happens in 1995? 32% of children are born out of wedlock. When it comes to 2016, 40% of children were born out of wedlock. And then moving on, now will be way beyond 50%. Okay. Um, a lot of people will try and deny this, but it's the true reality. So what's happening is we spoke about the lady, uh, Mary uh, Eberstadt, who's written a book. Okay, Adam and Eve after the pill. And she writes the five paradoxes okay, that occurred after the sexual revolution. And um, she said, look, these are the five things they were trying to achieve. But in reality, look what's happened. They tried to free the woman and make it easy for her. But a woman shouldn't have to bear the responsibility every time she wants to fulfill her sexual desire that she has to think, oh no, I'm gonna have a baby. So allow her to have birth control allow her to have abortion, allow her to have these options. But what's happened instead of liberating her, the man has become the driving force. He's done what he needs to. He runs away. Okay. The woman ends up getting pregnant or having to go through this. It was supposed to liberate her, but now she's stuck with it because the man's saying, look, that was, you should have taken the pill. You should have done what you're supposed to do. I've got nothing to do with it. I'm not going to get married to you. So even back then in Western societies as well, marriage was something which was known. But after this, people started saying, oh, we don't need to get married. Although you're pregnant, I don't need to marry you. And this, she's right, a Western academic is writing about the harms of zina. So Ibn al-Qayyim brings this to our attention. And he's trying to show us that you will only understand the seriousness of it when you look at it like this. Don't think that it's just me committing a sin in the corner of the street or in my bedroom or in a hotel or somewhere in another country. I'm going and doing my business and it's got nothing to do with anybody else. He's saying it doesn't work like that. You're violating every single objective of the Sharia slowly, 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 slowly. And he's saying this is how it works. Um, so instead of uh, liberating women, it made it more difficult. Obviously, the idea was that through the abortion, what will happen is pregnancies should go down. Instead, the pregnancies have gone up. Women are in much more difficulty. They're finding it harder. And uh, it's, it's made it very, very difficult. And instead of... Um, uh, one of the things which were very interesting is since the, he writes about this, since 1960s, it's destroyed Christianity. And we can see that. We can actually see that. Uh, in, in the countries where zina is much more common than other places, okay, we can see clearly that there's no essence of religion. And the sad thing is, this is all having an impact on us. It's having a direct impact. We think, why are we speaking about, okay, the West or the West? Because we live in the West and we are so influenced by the West. We started to think like this. This Western academic, she's writing, number five, the fifth paradox is, that it, the, the direct impact it had was it redefined family life. How did it impact family life? 
Number one, it fractured the family. So families that would live together, now you've got one family living up, up there, one in this country, one in that country, one here, one there. Okay, this wasn't normal before. And number one, and number two, it made families very, very small. And if you think about it, this is impacting us as well. Even our mentality has changed. Okay, it wasn't like that. We think like this as well. Okay, we think like this as well. We, wanna, we don't want to mix too much. You know, before, even when we were probably young, we probably met with our families, relatives, extended relatives, extended, extended, extended relatives, our fathers and mothers, friends. We all would meet people, we knew them. Now we don't even want to know our own blood relations. Some of our blood relations we see maybe on Eid, if that. Okay, and he's, this is not just those people it's effect this is you know he's saying he's what he's trying to show us is this is all happening as a result of zina you might think well how how is it affecting me why is zina not, it is There's, because zina and not just zina all sins okay they affect the whole society it doesn't just affect one so she's writing this is a western academic writing that one of the impacts is having or the paradox which was supposed to be creating people ease and people to live in harmony and someone to forget about it oh if somebody had an illicit relationship with somebody okay no one should know about it let's just move on but instead what's happening is it's having such a knock-on effect that it's forget not knowing about it it's becoming so known that it's having knock-on effect on families on fragmentation on loneliness so as a result What's happening is because the families are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, people are becoming more and more lonely. So now there's loneliness studies that are being done. That people are going into depression. Why? Because they feel very lonely. Because there's no social aspect anymore. Okay? And people are finding now, we're obviously, we're in the age of social media, which is fake. It's not real. And what's coming is much worse, which is VR and the metaverse. This is, this is going to be so much... If you think this is bad, okay, that we're hooked on social media, what's about to come and you know what's mind-blowing right last night i was just going through the next parts of what's to come and what ibn al-qayyim rahmatullahi mentions you know yesterday we spoke about the gaze and then the next part's going to be about the, the 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 thoughts when you read that it looks as if he knew exactly what zuckerberg was thinking and he knew all about the metaverse and he's wrote it in here 700 years ago because he, he, this is like this is like exactly what we need to hear, what's, what's about to come in the next couple of lessons. Uh, it's, it's as if he's talking about virtual reality. That's what it seems. When I was reading, I think, wow, this is so relevant because he's talking about people finding pleasure in things that don't exist. People will start losing interest in reality. He's written this. People lose interest in reality and they start fantasizing something and getting pleasure out of that that doesn't exist. And you think, well, that's, you know, deep insight he had at that time. So Alhamdulillah, we have a great legacy. We, had, we have great scholarship. We have great individuals. And sometimes as Muslims, we suffer from inferiority complex and we think, okay, the West have got it all and we don't have it. We do. Look, look into this. Look, this, this is one masterpiece in itself. Uh, of work and there are so many other works like this we've had other luminaries and giants that have come and taught the world and the west have taken this kind of stuff if you look at a lot of the stuff that they're using okay where did they get it from originally okay they've hijacked it they put their name on it but in, originally they've taken it from our sources 
and we give them credit instead of going back to the source and thinking, no, Alhamdulillah, we've had it. We should feel proud and happy about it. And we should appreciate the scholarship that we have, Alhamdulillah. So this is something we spoke about yesterday. And then we went on to speaking about Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah then went into speaking about the, we said this is the true Islamic psychology of the whole process of how this works. So he said, look, the first thing that happens, no one goes and commits zina overnight. It doesn't happen like that. It starts from somewhere. And he said the beginning of it is always the glance and the gaze. That's always the beginning. And he said, that's not just the beginning of zina. He says, that's the beginning of any evil that comes in your life. Because we're speaking about sins. We're speaking about evil. And he says, any evil that comes in your life, it all starts by looking. If you learn how to look at the right things and control what we see, he says, you'll control a lot of things in your life. But if we just let it loose and look at anything, and this is social media you can't control. When you're, doing, when you're scrolling, what happens? You don't know what's going to come next. And the whole buzz is about not knowing. Seeing the same post again and again is very depressing. That's painful in a, in a weird way. Okay, that's annoying. Like, how come they've not put anything new on? Or, or is it, I don't have Wi-Fi? What is it? Okay, so a person scrolls again and again and you, you refresh it again. The whole idea and the buzz is to see something that you don't know and you don't expect. The problem with that is you can't control what you're seeing. And remember, we're not just speaking about looking at women or looking at that which is haram. We're just speaking about looking. Like we, we've got too much exposure to everything. It's not good to look at too much stuff. He gives a very good example. He said, when you're fasting in Ramadan, when you're fasting in Ramadan, you don't go into your favorite restaurant, do you? When you're fasting in Ramadan, nobody goes into their favorite restaurant and goes to the menu and starts like eyeing the menu up and goes to the kitchen area and starts looking at what they're cooking. I'm just looking, just checking it out. Okay, because in the same way, again, we're not just talking about haram things, right? That's there, we already know that's bad. Okay, and that's detrimental. But he's saying even general stuff, What's Instagram all about? And the, the, the stuff he's going to explain after this, it's mind-blowing. Um, and we'll speak about it after Asr. But I'm just going to just give you a hint of it, of what he's trying to say. Is he's basically saying that when you look at these things, it does two things. He goes, the, the worst punishment a person gets from not controlling the eyesight is two things. He says, you're seeing things that you can't have, right? You're seeing things, you can't have those things, right? So that's a problem in itself. Because how much stuff do you see? Because you just constantly, you're seeing so much stuff. It's just stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. Okay, whether it's, whether it's people's houses, whether it's clothing, whether it's nice food, whether it's people going on holidays, whether it's perfume, whether it's women, whether it's people doing stuff, it's just too much consumption in one go, too much. Okay, hours and hours of it. If we think how many hours of hours go on it and each time, and it's like within 10 seconds, you can have, you can see so much. And obviously there's filters on there. So it's way beyond, that's not even reality. It's not even real. 
And we know, I, I saw a really interesting one yesterday. I don't know if you guys have seen this. So the, the, somebody sent um, saw a, an image. It was between, um, what, what was he called again? Let me have a look. Something versus reality. Let me see if I can show it to you. As funny as it is, it's sad. Yeah, basically, is in Arabic. He says, "As-suhur fil a'lanat and as-suhur fil haqiqa." So, it's showing a picture of a family doing suhur in an ad, and then it's showing the true suhur picture. I don't know if you guys can see it. Hang on. I don't know if you can see that image. Can you see it? Yeah? Can you see it? This is, this is real life. This is what happens. Okay? At the top, they've got this really nice picture of a nice family sitting together. Everyone's dressed really well. It's laid out the dinner table and everything. And they're all smiling. Everyone's looking one way. And this is what we see and we get fooled by. Okay? This, and how many hours of hours is going behind this? And the real picture is at the bottom. Okay? That doesn't happen anymore where the whole family comes down and sits together for suhoor and that used to happen I remember when we were young, okay, now everyone's kind of doing their own thing, okay No one's brushed their teeth. No one's got their hair combed Everything's all over the place and you know one person rushing here one person still sleeping You're waking them up and it's all over the place and that's the reality. and it's fine. It's fine That's how we are but this this is fakeness what we see on insta is not true and we're spending so many hours just looking at that and he's saying what happens is two things happen one is you're seeing things that you don't have control over you don't have power to get those things you can't get all of those things even if you're the wealthiest person you can't have all of that okay you've already just done your house up okay you can tell when the women have been to somebody's house that is better than yours okay when they come and start speaking about the coffee table in a certain way and you think, last week, this was like the best coffee table in the world. What's happened to it now? Like, why, why can you see problems in it? And you think, oh, right, you've been to someone else's house. Or you've been on Instagram. Or you've been speaking to so-and-so. So, this is, this is the impact it has. So, he's saying two things. One is, you see things, but you don't have the power to get them. So, that's inside you, eating away at you. And number two, what's worse than that is, you don't have the sabr to resist it. Can you see? This is what he's saying. Inside you what's happening is, number one, you, you don't have the power to get it. So that's making you mad. And the second is, you don't have the patience to control that desire to have it. You can't have it. It's not possible to have everything you see on Instagram. But you want it, you're craving it. You're a human being. You allowed yourself to see all that. Naturally, you're going to want it because you're a human being. That's how humans are. And then the next effect is you don't have the sabr and the patience. What that does, it gets you overwhelmed, it gets you tired, and you just lose the plot. Inside, you're going crazy. And these are all the thoughts that are going on when we're supposed to be doing other things, but this is what's going on in our mind. And if that's to do with looking at haram things, okay, that has an even worse effect as well. Then a person doesn't even enjoy his halal spouse as well. 
because he's seen too much and it's all fake anyway it's not real it's not real then a person expects to those things which he's seeing there in his wife his own wife who until yesterday was miss world or miss universe now she she doesn't equal anything and lots of a lot of family breakups happen based on this people don't ever come to this they wouldn't ever think this no one would ever suspect this was the cause but it is because now what's happening is until now his wife was everything for him or for the wife the husband was everything okay the most perfect person but when you see too much stuff and especially when it's fake and people doing all sorts of things okay and that's not happening in your life you think oh this is not real that's real i want that if this is not happening here and then it doesn't excite you anymore it's not fun anymore it's not enjoyable anymore it's boring it's whereas that's all fake anyway um, so this is what he's trying to explain so anyhow back to what we were speaking about so Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah spoke about the zina of the eyes and he says this is where it starts from and he said every person uh, he spoke about four things whoever protects four things you will protect your spirituality and your whole deen the whole deen will be protected but if we don't protect these four things will destroy our whole spirituality and our whole deen and the four things are anybody remember what they called in arabic okay anadharat or alahdat khatarat lafadat and khutuwat okay so lahadat lahadat means the looks okay lahadat khatarat okay is the thoughts and then lafadat is the words the speech chatting okay and khutuwat are the actual steps a person takes to make it happen so he says if we and he goes every person every single individual you have to be your own bouncer you have to be your own gatekeeper on these four gates nobody's going to come and do it for you you have to be in control you have to decide what goes in what doesn't go in you have to decide what goes in your tongue what you say and what you don't say even in your mind yes there's a lot of things that you can't control he's got a whole discussion on this about thoughts okay um, and then even in terms of action you have to decide what you do and what you don't just go in autopilot he's saying basically don't just let and this is social media's autopilot you, you look you're looking at everything even you see things a lot of times that you don't want to you don't want to see so yeah you scroll past it but the thing is he said you've seen it already you've already seen it even though you don't want to see it you've seen it so that's problematic because you can't delete an image from your head you know when you see something gruesome and you think oh, i wish i didn't see it because that doesn't go from the head it gets etched and it, it says there so even though you didn't want to see it or you saw it but you felt bad afterwards that's fine but it's not going to go because it's there and that's the worst part of it um, so he's saying that we have to guard these four areas very very well and he says if we let the eyes loose it's like again one of his examples he says it's like opening your front door and allowing the thief to come right in he says come in okay and take whatever you want because this is what happens when we look at absolutely anything if we're allowing the thief to come in 
and take whatever he wants from the front door, not the back door, not jumping, th jumping through a window or over the fence of the back garden. Front door, he's saying the, the eyes of the front door. It's like allowing the thief to come right in and you know, if a thief wants to come in from the front door, okay, he's just going to ransack everything. And because what happens is we just get ransacked. Everything that we've done, okay, in terms of fasting, tilawa, dhikr, Quran, hajj, umrah, whether it be sadaqah, making dua, uh, being kind, volunteering here and there, and just everything you can think of, speaking the truth, all good deeds, serving your parents, all good deeds you've amassed and they become noor. What happens is when we look at those things we're not supposed to, okay, we allow the thief to come in, the shaitan comes in, and he runs up, he takes everything out with him, and all the spirituality is lost. May Allah protect us and help us to learn how to overcome this. So he said the first thing that happens is the lahadat. He goes, whoever lets this loose will land in very um, destructive and dangerous places. Um, and the Prophet wasallam said that the glance is one of the poison arrows from the quiver of Iblis. He's saying that if you can't control your gaze, you can't control your thoughts. If you can't control your thoughts, you can't control your speech. If you can't control your speech, then you won't be able to control your steps. This is the process. People are trying to control their steps. The person who asked the question initially in this book, he's asking, how do I quit sin? I've got this bad habit, I'm stuck. Whether it's in a haram relationship or whatever it is. I've tried to get out of it so many times, I just can't do it. Okay, what's the solution? And people try to quit and they can't. And he's saying, well, that's not how it works. If you try and quit, you probably won't quit for the rest of your life because it doesn't work like that. You need to get to the root of the problem. But what's very interesting is Ibn al-Qayyim, like he's been doing from the beginning, he's not, he doesn't fob you off with a very simple answer or a textbook answer. Okay, he gets right into it. So at the moment, he's speaking about how to avoid getting into the situation in the first place. But remember, the person who asked the question, He's already probably infatuated, okay? He's already in love. He's already in a haram relationship or whatever it is. The person who's asking the question, he's going to deal with that as well. And what if you're already so deeply stuck inside it? He's going to come to that more towards the end. Okay, so that will all come as well. So at the moment, he's dealing with how to avoid these things in the first place. Or if it's already happened, how to avoid it in future. And just to understand what went wrong for you to try and kill the source of it first. Uh, but he's also going to deal with, uh, just for your information, somebody who's deeply into it already. And you think, look, you're telling me all these things, that's good, but I've already done everything. I've gone through every trap and I'm really trapped. How do I get out of that? Okay. Uh, and he's going to speak about infatuation in itself, which people refer to as ishq or love or just, you know, whatever you want to call it. So um, that, that's more towards the end, inshallah. But so this is what we spoke about, and then we finished on the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, where he told the Sahaba radiallahu anhum um, when he would see that they would hang out on the on the street corners. The Sahaba would hang out. They were people, okay, like we are people. Obviously, they were the greatest of people, the best of people, but they were humans. 
they wanted social gatherings, they had friends, they would talk to each other, okay? It wasn't always appropriate to take everybody home and sit down in the house or sit down in the masjid. Sometimes they would hang out on the street corners, okay? And the hadith is telling us. So the Prophet said that, look, avoid hanging out in these street corners and these places. And the Sahaba said, oh Prophet of Allah, we don't have a choice. Like, where else are we going to gather? We can't, you know, this is an informal gathering, it's a social gathering, we're just friends talking. Where else? Show us somewhere else then. So the Prophet understood, yeah, this is a need. This is a social need. People need to meet up. You can't always meet up in the house all the time. You can't always meet up in the masjid. Some gatherings will be done, okay, on a street corner. He said, okay, that's fine. I understand. I totally get it. I understand your need. And this is it. He understood the people very, very well. And he said, okay, fine. But just do one thing. Give the street corners and the path its right. Wherever the, so they said, oh, sir, oh, Prophet of Allah, what is the right of these places? And he said, there's three things. Number one is lower your gaze. Because you're going to be here, you're going to get all sorts of people passing by. Okay? So don't flirt with anybody going past. Don't, you know, wink at anybody. Don't say, oh, check her out, check him out. Or what do you think of it? None of that. You know, you, you're here for a reason. Stick to that reason. Lower your gaze, number one. And secondly, um, don't give anybody trouble. Okay? Don't cuss anybody going past. Don't laugh at them, mock at them. Or if you do, whilst you're here, you might see somebody in trouble. Somebody's about to trip up. Well, remove that difficulty from somebody's path whilst you're here. And the third is if people are passing by and make salam to you, you should say wa alaikum salam to them as well. Respond to the salam. You'll be so engrossed in your chit chat and you're laughing and joking and whatever you're doing, you're catching up with your friends. That's fine. But if anybody does salam to you, make sure you give say wa alaikum salam. As long as you do those things, you can carry on your hangouts, okay, wherever you're doing them. So these were the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum ajma'een. Um, so we end over here by saying that Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah alayhi mentions that what you allow yourself to look at is the primary cause of all the hardships that affect you in your life. This is what the conclusion of this discussion is. What you allow yourself to look at is the primary cause of all the hardships that affect you in your life. We're not just speaking about looking at those things that are haram. That topic is there. We're, we're all, that's, that's the main topic of discussion. But he's saying besides that as well, look at, at the moment, um, a lot of depression is because of scrolling endlessly. And you see now, I've already given you the two reasons what Ibn Qayyim mentions. Okay? Before you might have thought, why is that? Can you see what it creates inside you? When you're scrolling endlessly, okay, you're not looking at anything haram, right? But you are looking at a lot of things, right? And what happens? Can you have those things? Can we have all the things that we're seeing? It's quite glamorous, isn't it? It's called very fancy, very nice. Okay, you don't see anything like, you know, kind of standard on Instagram. No, but that's not Instagram worthy. It's not Insta worthy. Okay, it has to be Insta worthy to actually post. People are only going to post things which they think are really cool. And on top of that, they feel they have to put filters on there as well to make it look even cooler. Okay, so you're seeing something high definition that's been, you know, taken up there, which is not real, by the way. And again, you might see a family and everyone's smiling. You don't know if it probably took them half an hour to get all the kids to stand in line and have a smile. Otherwise, none of them. That's not real. Is that real? Come on, guys, you know. Is that real? Can you ever get a whole, one whole family and everyone's smiling? Okay, that doesn't happen. That's not real. Okay, and, but when we see these things, we want these things. Who doesn't? When you see these things, oh, that's nice. That would be such a good thing to have. 
we, we forget sometimes that these things are fake. And even if, because your eyes have seen it, this is, so now you want, it's not just that, it could be, it could be a big house, for example, it could be a nice car, for example, it could be some nice clothing, it could be jewelry, it could be anything, it could be perfume, it could be a holiday, it could be an exotic, you know, resort, it could be anything. And we keep seeing it again and again and again. You're seeing two things happen. And we're going to go into more detail on this, inshallah, after Asr. One is, you're seeing things that you can't have, you don't have control over. So that drives you mad anyway. You can't get it. So that's, he's building up this kind of restlessness inside you. And he goes, on top of that, you don't have patience to overcome this. You can't overcome it. One is you see anything, oh, I can't have that. But inside you, the, the human being, okay, is greedy. That's what Quran tells us. We are, we want things, we desire things. And he's saying that if you hadn't seen it, you wouldn't have desired it. That restlessness wouldn't be inside you. And this, this then goes on to the next one. What's the next one? Lahadat and then? Khatarat, thoughts. Okay, the thoughts, and this is why he's going to speak about presence. He's going to talk about grounding. He's going to talk about mindfulness. You know, these things what Western, you know, people are talking about today. Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah is going to say, Al-Arif ibn al-Waqt. He says the greatest Arif, okay, a person who's recognized Allah is ibn al-Waqt, who knows the art of presence, who's mastered the art of mindfulness, who knows what grounding techniques are who can be in the moment. You know, they say live in the moment. Okay, be in the now. You're seeing all of these things and hashtag be in the now. Okay, be present. All these kind of things you're seeing. Ibn al-Qayyim, he tweeted all of these things 700 years ago in here. He's put it all there. But we don't take from this. We're taking from everywhere else. Okay, just because they're saying it now. Or it's been proven through a study. Okay, somebody's done a PhD on it. Okay, oh, now I accept it. But it's already there. Quran has said all of this. Okay, we didn't want to listen. The hadith said it, we didn't want to listen. Our scholars have said it, we didn't want to listen. And now what's happening is, I'm finding that the non-Muslims, they are finding all of this, not from our material, from their material, and they're appreciating it. They're taking it. And I think it's bringing them closer to Islam. That's what I think. I might be wrong. But I think, because this is all original, this is what Islam is all about. It's about finding peace. Finding the love of Allah, finding Allah's mercy. Allah Okay? And shunning the world and you know turning towards one Allah, being mindful. That's what what's ikhlas all about. Okay, that's what all this is about. We we already have all of these things in our core religion. They don't. The only thing that's absent now from their whole piece is religion. That's why they use all these other terms. That's why they're following all the Buddhist techniques. Mindfulness, what they're taking comes from Buddhism. And in Buddhism, there's no idea of a God. Okay, there's no idea of a God per se. They don't believe in a God. So that's why they won't kind of, they might quote Rumi here and there, but they won't really want to ascribe themselves to Islam or any other religion because they want to be religion free. But time is going to come where they're going to achieve momentary happiness, momentary joy, maybe momentary satisfaction, but they're going to be missing an element and that is the element of spirituality. And why are so many people into yoga, for example, nowadays, meditation, for example, nowadays, because they know there's something missing. There's a void that's missing. 
and that void can only be filled by the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the remembrance of Allah doesn't just mean sitting in a corner and making dhikr. The remembrance of Allah means by following the pure religion of Islam. That's what religion, that's what the remembrance of Allah is. Ibn Abbas says, every obedient person is a dhakir. So it's that word again, obedience and disobedience. So all good, Ibn al-Qayyim is telling us the primary way to bring goodness into your life is through obedience. The primary way to bring evil into your life is through disobedience. And the only way acceptable in the sight of Allah is Islam. So they're coming, a lot of people are coming very, very close. Okay, they've, they've gone through many, many stages and realized that, you know, you know, we can't be tied up with all these worldly things. And the only thing missing now is actual faith in itself. And it seems a lot of them will accept uh, because they're moving very fast. Uh, they're moving very, very fast. If you look into, into these things, they're moving very, very fast. We've had all of these things, but we've not appreciated it. Okay, so let it not be that they move fast and we just go behind and behind having all of the resources in front of us but we don't take advantage of them so may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to make the most of it and more importantly the lessons that we're learning here first of all i ask allah gives me the tawfiq and all the rest of the tawfiq to inshallah bring these things in our life after asr inshallah we will continue with the topic where we left off yesterday subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik